Well, good day, everybody. Welcome to the Lifetime Training Podcast. And today I have physical therapist, CSCS, USA National Taekwondo team, educator, and most recently and most popular uh, is Pete Holman as the inventor. So I can't thank you enough for jumping on the show, Pete. Uh, I appreciate your time. And I know we've been trying to get this one in for the last few weeks. So thank you so much for your your ability to be flexible, man. It's It's been way too long. And uh, anything that this last year tells us is that if you're not flexible, <laughs> you get it, man. Just jump off the boat. That is it, man. It's perfect. And, you know, I can't thank you enough. And, you know, I remember first seeing you, you know, when you came out with the ripstick and, and there's been a bunch more, but I think, you know, what's important and what I love about these, this podcast and hopefully the message getting out there is, you know, really telling people in this industry that are starting out, whether you've been with it, you know, in the beginning or you're, you've been at it for a while, how can you be successful and, and, and have a long career in this amazing journey in, in this industry? So I would love for you to just kick off with, you know, giving us an overview of your story of, man, how did you get started in this? You know, how you became a therapist all the way through to, you know, what you're doing now being the inventor? Uh, you know, I was always active and always in sports and somehow, I'm sure some of your audience is like this. You just knew from a young age, like you were going to be an athlete. You were going to move. You were going to run and jump and play and, and be physical. And I, I was a competitive soccer player early on. We just had an early yeah. conversation about your son as a goalie. And I was a goalie also. Yeah. And I love that position. It's really yeah. the leader of the team, right? Yeah. Um, and, and But what really started my career, by the way, I was very slow developing you know, neurologically, and this is something that you guys as trainers, you kind of look at this with kids. When you're 14, 15, 16, 17, even 18, people grow and, and mature mm -hmm. completely differently. Mm -hmm. I started school when I was young. So I graduated high school when I was 17 and I developed, I went through puberty very late. So there was this period from like 15 to 17 where, man, I was like, gawky and awkward and, and gangly and I couldn't control, control my body. I went from being a pretty high level athlete to like this new phase. Like, who am I? I what's happened to Holman? Um, and then when I was about 20 years old, 21 ish, I took a job at a health club called the YM, the Highline YMCA. And I was on maintenance there. And I just, you know, I was mopping floors. That's all I did is mop floors and there was one court in particular that was right across from the Taekwondo team practice facility. And that was the cleanest court in the entire <laughs> I sat there like the Chinese Kung Fu, you know, movie, just yeah. mopping that floor and watching the guys train. I just, I, I always loved Bruce Lee and I admired that. I'd never done martial arts in my life. And um, one day the instructor got pissed off and he came over and he opened the door. And he said, are you going to just sit there and mop the floor all night? Or are you going to come train with us? Because he knew, and I was like, I guess I'll come to train. So I put the mop down, and, and you know, the rest, as they say, is history. I, I fell in love with martial arts. It was like I wanted wow. to be a professional ski racer. I wanted to be a professional football player. Like these were just moonshots. I could never yeah. do it. When I found martial arts, because of my background in soccer, I was very good with my feet. Soccer, if you haven't played soccer, you can't use your hands. So you get real good with the coordinative function of your feet and your yeah. core and your balance and you're running and kicking yeah. at the same time. And so they would show me like a new kick that like a spin kick or something. And I would be able to kind of do it like on the first go. And they were like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? And then I, you know, got into stretching 
And within two years, I tested for my black belt, which was unheard of uh, in the International wow. Federation. And then the next year, I qualified for the U.S. national team. I made the first U.S. team. I went to Kuala Taranganu, Malaysia. I was 94. I'm dating myself. Wow. Old man. And then in 97, I continued to progress and get better. And I made um, the national team again. And I was selected team captain for the world championships in St. Petersburg, Russia. So, wow. It, and you started that just, and you didn't start at all in any martial art until you were 21. Did you yeah, say 21? That's crazy, crazy, man. Yeah. So, six years later, I was the team captain. But I will say, I kind of, you know, I immersed myself into martial arts. I mean, I was watching Jackie Chan films and Bruce Lee films and, you know, tr- train. And by the way, so the question was how I got into this. Yeah. Mar- martial arts really did everything for me because I wanted to be the best in the world. And so I needed to learn how to train. And, and I didn't really, I knew how to lift weights. I mean, I had my um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, modern, <laughs> encyclopedia of modern bodybuilding, you know. Yeah, exactly. Big fat awesome. one. <laughs> I mean, awesome, awesome stuff and a great start. But then at some point, you got to understand, you know, um, how to how to get your neurology working and, and, you know, fine tuning the system and explosive movement patterns and, and plyometrics and all that stuff. That's really higher level stuff. Yeah. And so I started studying strength and conditioning and I got my first personal training certification through ACE, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know, 30 years ago. And then I went on to get an NSCA um certified strength and conditioning specialty. Got it. Nice. And then the other thing, when I was constantly training, competing at such a high level that I was injured all the time. I mean, hamstrings, growing muscles, abdominals, shoulder. And I, there was a physical therapy clinic at the same health club that I was working at. And I watched the therapists work with clients and patients. I even went, was a patient there a couple of times. And I thought, this is pretty cool. This is what I want to do. I want to help people mend their bodies once they've injured them. And so from my martial arts career, I basically got into strength and conditioning and into rehab medicine. Wow. And, you know, 30 years later, I'm still doing the same stuff. Now, and, and again, you, you started that late comparatively than, than most would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I mean, some of these folks, you know, that are just beach body beautiful or whatever, they, they're on Instagram right now at 18 <laughs> years old. And they're like, I'm a trainer and trainer yeah. to the stars and stuff. That was not me. I was, yeah. I was really into geeked out on the science and, and the sports performance aspect of training and then the rehab medicine um, yeah. aspect of it. Well, and that's, uh, that's one of the things, you know, I, I talk about it a lot on this podcast in that one of the main reasons we've came up with the podcast is to get information out to the masses on where you could learn to be a better technical trainer. And, you know, it seems like sometimes I throw shade on the Instagram followers with 2 million followers and I applaud them in that they're phenomenal at being able to get to the 2 million followers. However, that happened. I don't know if those same people, some maybe, but some others, maybe not, are the people that you want to go to, to learn the technical craft from. And, you know, and, and those are learn how to get to 2 million followers, but maybe not learn the technical craft. And and that's the separation that I try to make. Absolutely. And it's, listen, it's frustrating for some of us folks that have been, you know, plugging away for 30 years in this industry. Yeah. And, and you see these folks that are in their mid twenties that you know have the massive following, and they're kind of pumping out metabolic hit circuits and content and stuff. And there's, trust me, there are some good folks yeah, out there for sure. Um, but but 
typically, you know, it takes time to understand this. This is a science. It's a craft. It's like being an artist or uh, or a, a chef, a culinary expert. You don't have a three-star Michelin restaurant when you're 24. I mean, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You have to learn and grow over time. And, you know, I, I've enjoyed the process. I mean, that's why that's I'm talking to you here today. I, I mean, it's, it's the, the adversity has forced me to grow and develop into who I've become. And, and I, I mean, I love that grit, man. I, yeah. I love the fight. I'm, I think I'm just a competitor by spirit. <laughs> man. Like, you yeah. get hard as heck and, and I'm in. Um, yeah, but that's also that trait that I think you built early on with the sports and, and, you know, I would say learning how to fail and your relationship with failure is the key to success. And, you know, those that learn from it and move forward are the ones that have the most success. Well, and this is something I tell almost everybody I talk to that's in this field, in this trade is most of all of us are competitive athletes. We, we have a background or even if you weren't competitive, you, you know, you did stuff at a high level. You, there's a reason you're passionate about health and fitness and wellness. And, you, you can rely on that competitive spirit and that aptitude that is like about grit and determination and, and resilience and persistence and dedication and drive. And most people don't have that competitive athletes and former, uh, you know, uh, sportsmen and sportswomen have that. And so now we got to develop that into business, you know, yeah. enterprises and, and other aspects of our life. But it's great because you can fall back on that and rely on your competitive spirit. I do it all the time, yeah. <laughs> every day. You know, and, and, and a question I've got for you, and, and I've got my bias on this, but I'm going to ask you the question is, you know, obviously there's, there's a driver. There's the, the ultimate behavioral driver that led you to your success whether it was in Taekwondo or then becoming a physical therapist or then going through the training or, or inventing a product, you know, what would you, if you could pinpoint it to that one thing or two things, what was the thing that caused that motivation that, and then you being able to stick to it? All right. I'm going to try not to get emotional because <laughs> this is, so in uh, eighth grade, I was in a new school. And it was kind of my parents were were both educators. We didn't really have any money, but they, they kind of tried to act like they had some money. And they're like, OK, we're going to put you in private school. So there was a private school in Denver called Kent Denver out the best school. I mean, one of the best prep schools in, in the country. And, you know, they had lacrosse and was, you had to play a sport and the educators were just top notch. And it was just outstanding school. However, it was very preppy, rich, clicky school. And I was kind of the outsider. I was the poor kid that didn't really fit in. And I was bullied, man. And I, you know, at one point I got locked in a locker um, and everybody left. And I was, I thought I was literally spending the night in the, in the lot, the athletic locker. Oh. And the janitor found me and he must've heard me whimpering or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's crazy. I opened the door and, you know, and I, I was kind of trying to hold back tears and he, he put his arm around me and this, this old black dude, and he was so cool. He said, um, he said, son, this, this doesn't define you. This isn't who you are. You know, this is a blip in time. Wow. And then I, I just walked off and that was, but you know, <sighs> so that's a huge motivator for me. Mm. Like I, in my mind, the back of my mind, the recesses of my mind, somehow I'm still that kid in a locker, yeah. stuck in the locker. Nobody cares about left for dead, 
left behind, um, not worthy of somebody saying, Hey man, don't, don't bully him. You know, don't pick on him. Uh, so, you know, this, this is, and I know you've got kids. I've got it. I've got a 14 year old daughter and you know, the, I tell her these stories, like it's what we do and what we say and how we treat other human beings matters. Yep. And, and it has um, a, a lasting impact. Now, granted in retrospect, I probably should thank the guys because you never like, hear that. You, you never feel that in the moment though. Right. Obviously. But I am like resilient. Yeah. I mean, I'm like a, like a, a cactus in the desert, you know, you can't yeah. take me out. Um, but, but that was a, that was a huge motivator. I think the other motivator in my life is that I'm really interested. I'm curious in a lot of different things. And part of me wishes I grew up like in the Renaissance period where, you know, at 8 a.m. you do, you do sport and at 10 a.m. you play piano and at 12 you study astronomy. And I'm just, I'm really interested. I've run out of time in the day, but I'm very fascinated with, um, a numerous amount of topics and I want to evolve and, and actualize my human potential. And I want to some kind of legacy, even if it's just inspiring others to, to do their thing. Yeah. That's in, in, you know, I always say, if I, we try and narrow it to the simple, it's like, it's a vision. It's a vision of you being in that locker, or it's a vision of you being inspired and wanting to go and do some of those other things. And, And that vivid, picture in your mind in in people's minds i think is what really catapults the people from being somewhat successful to really successful and and really going after it um so you know it's it's fantastic to hear i mean it's not fantastic to hear the situation that you went through but how you've been able to take that thing and move forward it's funny too because i just watched the movie pretty in pink i'm dating myself here uh but it was just i just watched it and it's basically similar, you know, uh, situations that happen in, in life through high school. It, it, absolutely. Listen, we all have our locker room moments. I mean, I, I'm not alone. I, you know, it's very easy to sit back and kind of feel sorry for yourself or be downtrodden or melancholy, but we, we all have gone through those moments that yeah. define us. And, you know, they, they allow us to um, become something that we weren't, prior to that moment. And that's, it's, it's the, it's kind of like the God's, you know, God's great paradox. You can't have B without A. You can't have success without going through pain and suffering and and strife. And if you do, if you just win the lottery overnight, that's great, but you didn't, you can't walk with pride and with your chest up saying, Hey, I won the lottery. No, it's like, Hey, I worked for 30 years yeah. or whatever it is, three years, three months, I worked hard towards a goal and I, you know, was met with adversity and I came through on the other side and, and now I'm enjoying the view from the top. And there's a yeah. feeling of, um, of completion and, yeah. and satisfaction that you can't get with somebody just handing it to you. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why a lot of the people who win the lottery go broke. You know, it's also why, you know, there's, the, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. And then there's also the, you know, I've read on this, what's called the happiness set point and, or a hedonic set point. Some people call it that, but it's, you know, those same people, they're, they're at a level of happiness before they get wealthy. Then they win the lotto. It elevates for a period of time. And then it goes right back to where they were, unless they're working on themselves. Um, and there's a specific process on how to, how to kind of elevate that, that set point as well. So for another day, <laughs> but it's that. awesome. Yeah. It's really, really powerful that. stuff. Well, so now you, you, you know, you work as a trainer for about how long or therapist? 
Well, so I, again, everything started late. I was in school, by the way, anybody that's struggling with school, I'm your guy. Okay. I was <laughs> in post high school for 10 years. I thought, I thought I was going to be a psychologist. So I did all my undergraduate stuff was in psychology and sociology and cultural anthropology. And then I got it. I got on this um, physical therapy tr- uh, kick and I was like, this is what I want to do. Well, for physical therapy, you need the hard sciences. You need anatomy, kinesiology, physiology, organic chemistry. Like I hadn't taken any of that stuff to get into graduate school. So then I went to school for three years after my undergraduate in psychology. And then I finally got into graduate school in physical therapy, which was two years straight through. So by the time I was 27, I was finally out. Wow. And I've been training this whole time because I, you know, you got to pay rent and stuff. Yeah. But um, I, I wasn't a physical therapist until 1997, and then I moved to Aspen, and I, I did an internship there in physical therapy graduate school, and apparently they, they liked my philosophy and how I worked, and they ended up hiring me for, it's funny, they said, we can only hire you for the winter season. We can't guarantee a full-time employment. And I asked one of the other therapists, I said, I don't know, I got to move, I got to rent a place, I got to commit to a lease, and it's it's so expensive up here. And he said, Pete, this is going to be the best ski season of your life. (laughs) And I said, I'm in. Yeah, that's awesome. So so I went to Aspen, but I I really found a home there. um, And I was training. And what I found is, as a physical therapist, which was great, I love the clinical stuff, and and kind of the immediate results, like you work on a, a... inversion ankle sprain. I mean, in two weeks, you're like, Oh my gosh, they're getting so much better. Um, but I found to supplement my income, I had to do personal training. Mm-hmm. And then over time, personal training actually was more lucrative. I didn't have to do all the paperwork and I could, I had some private clients that I could pay me high, you know, premium. Yep. And so now to this day, I kind of like a little bit of personal training, a little bit of physical therapy. And then when I was at this clinic, I was, this is the first time I developed a product and you don't know about this, Jason, I'm going to tell you right now. So buckle up. Um, (laughs) I'm at this clinic and I notice every time I go to get a foam roller or, or a yoga mat or an elastic resistance cord for exercise, I can't find it. It's strewn across the floor. The place is always disheveled and disarray. And then I said, there's no organization to this functional training stuff. By the way, this is around 2000. So functional training and physical therapy has always kind of been there, but I mean, it was exploring. Yeah. Like yep. if you didn't understand how to use a BOSU ball and a tilt yeah. board and elastic cords and all that, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, man, there should be a rack that holds all this gear. And I went to a, a machinist in Carbondale, Colorado, which is kind of a suburb of Aspen. And I said, Hey man, I want to build a rack. And he's like, what are you talking about? And so <laughs> I ended up, it's, it was called the functional training rack. It had a met, it held medicine balls, but it had an angle. So behind it, you could put a, a BOSU ball. So medicine ball is a BOSU ball. And then it had these little antenna that came out from the side and they had J hooks on them and you could hang sports cords. And then I said, man, I got to put some stability balls in there. So I had a, um, a metal rod that had a hoop like this. Yeah. And I said, oh, that'd be perfect. You could just lay the ball in the hoop and it'll, it'll hold you know two or three balls. Yeah. And then I had these cans for foam rollers and stuff. I mean, this thing was like loaded. It was, it was awesome. That's great. And it, I ended up, by the way, this is a, it's good and bad because I launched it in 2008 or nine. And that was like when the economy, steel prices went through the roof. China was buying all oh, the steel right. for the Beijing Olympics. Yep. Um, gas and steel prices literally doubled. And the cost of goods of my product 
doubled. And I, I basically ended up giving it to perform better. Um, but I will say before 2008, you never saw that no. stability ball hoop holder. Did you? No, I didn't know that, man. And I, I never, I didn't understand patents or anything, but mm-hmm. had I had a patent on that, everything <laughs> in the world now has a little hoop that you can put a stability ball in. Yeah. I just trained today in my hotel uh, that I'm staying at and life fitness has a rack that has all these accessories. It was stability ball hoop holders. So anyhow, I'm not saying I invented it, but I'm pretty confident. Well, Well, and that that was the, you know, going to be my next question is, you know, what was, I didn't know that it was the first thing that you invented. And and then, you know, how did that turn then into this career and that you've been able to develop through inventing multiple things, you know, that we'll get through here. Uh, So what was the next thing? Yeah. Well, so one thing you got to know about me is I get frustrated very easily. So like that rack was, I saw a problem and I was just pissed off. I'm like, I'm sick of looking for this stuff mm-hmm. and I'm going to fix this problem. So I created this rack. Um, the net, the next product was called the core 10, which turned into the rip core FX, which then became the TRX rip trainer. And I was training an X games athlete, uh, a snow cross, you know, snowmobile rider mm-hmm. in the X games. And he was, he was having low back pain and he said, man, I've got to strengthen my core. I've got X games in two weeks. You know, I got to get my back right. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> These guys are nuts, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You've never seen it. It takes like 300 pound sleds around bank turns at 40 miles an hour, jump over like 90 foot gap jumps. It's just, it's mind boggling yeah. with those sleds underneath yeah. them. His name's Mike Schultz. And he actually ended up becoming, he lost his leg like the very next year. And then talk about turning adversity into triumph. He ended up uh, becoming a multiple X games gold medalist. He was on the U S Olympic team as a snowboard athlete. He's like a spokesman for prosthetic limb, you know, all over the, he's just amazing. But, but um, so he was the athlete I was working with. And I said, man, how could I reproduce those inertial and torque loads that he experiences on a sled going around a bank turn? And I was laying in my bed one day and I looked up at the closet rod, right? And I said, that would kind of make a cool snowmobile handle. Like, and I mean, I literally jumped up. I threw all my clothes off of there, <laughs> ripped the dowel off the closet rod, went down into my garage. I screwed like this eye bolt in and got an old sport cord that I had laying around and connected it to a ski rack. And I started just kind of, you know, like pushing and pulling. And then with my martial arts background, I really got into yeah kind of a rotational chopping motion frontwards, backwards. And after 10 minutes, I'm sweating and I'm, my core's all lit up and I feel like my balance challenge. And I said, man, this is kind of a cool modality. And I went and I brought it to this guy, Mike, and I started training. He's like, this is awesome. And two weeks later, I used it with him like three days a week, two weeks later, he, he leaves. He says, Hey, Hey, can I have that bar? <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, can I take the bar with me? I'm like, all right. You know, so I gave him the bar, but that was when it popped in my head. I'm like, huh, maybe there's something here. Yeah. And then, you know, of course it was a long, tedious uh, process to, to get it to market. But yeah. um, again, just solving a problem and trying to have a creative solution. Um, and, and there's, and there's just, I mean, first off, if you guys have not seen Pete, Wit use this thing. And, and obviously he was in Taekwondo. So the power generation is just ridiculous. Um, it's a sight to see, but definitely there's a whole lot of education, you know, on the idea platform and multiple TRX platform, obviously, um, that, 
you know, you can find out more about the rip trainer. Yeah. And by the way, there's other device. I mean, yeah. there multiple people make these now. Yeah. In fact, great cook. When I was investigating this great cook, I want to call props to him. He had something called the great cook cable bar. And my heart, when I was investigating this, cause I was all excited. I'm like, I'm going to do a bar with elastic resistance and it's going to be awesome. And I'm doing research, research, research. And I, and I found this great cook cable bar and I was like, Oh no, somebody's already done it. And I started looking at what he was doing. He's so clinical, which is awesome. He was doing like, you know, chop and lift patterns, real slow controlled. He had a bar that was connected to a selectorized cable pulley, which was great because, you know, focused on tall kneeling, half kneeling positions, rotational spiral diagonal lines, all amazing clinical stuff, but it was more rehab and, you know, uh, kind of slow speeds and you had to have a cable machine. And then I thought, you know, I still, it actually validates my point that rotational training is imperative. Here's Greg Cook, one of the best physical therapists in the world, telling everybody you got to train on the spiral line, but I'm going to make mine portable. I'm going to make it lightweight. I'm going to make it with elastic resistance. So there's kind of that stored kinetic potential energy at the end range, controlling the eccentric, overcoming that with velocity. Um, And then obviously it's going to be affordable. So anybody can have one of these. Well, and one of the things you mentioned a couple of times there, and I'm familiar with it. I don't know that everybody is, as you talked about the spiral line. Um, Would you mind just taking a second, just so that people understand, you know, where your mind is thinking um, and, and again, get a taste of, you know, your background knowledge as well. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to demonstrate. So look, I'm an overhead athlete. I'm going to spike a volleyball. I'm going to serve a tennis ball. I'm going to throw a baseball. Okay. Let's see if we can see my shirt. Yeah. Now, as I load up, can you see the, the fibers on my shirt go into a diagonal pattern? Yep. That's literally what your muscles do, yep. right? Our muscles, I think Carlos Santana, Juan Carlos Santana, um, wrote a kind of a training manual back in the day in functional training. And I never really saw it broken down, but he took like, Every muscle, you know, internal oblique, external oblique, um, transverse abdominus, glute medius, and he broke down all the core muscles. And he looked at muscle orientation from origin to insertion, and like 87% were oriented in a diagonal position. So we are designed to move in rotary diagonal motions, high to low, low to high. And if you think about power and force generation, it always happens like that. The volleyball spike this or that or a lebron james dunking a basketball i mean talk about spiral coiled energy and then bam it explodes or a golf swing or a hockey slap shot or a lacrosse shot um or a soccer kick your son plays soccer you see somebody wind up and plant and all that coiled energy and that's all that's what the spiral lines are there's there's some in the back there's some in the front and the point is you got to work the spiral line if you want it to transfer to daily life and sports I often get a little geeked out in sports, which I just did. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Let me take yeah. it down a second. Yeah. But you think about just getting groceries out of the trunk of your That's car yep. or putting a baby into the car seat, you know, all these movements of daily life, shoveling snow right now, which half the country's doing, just trying to <laughs> shovel out of the snow. Um, it, a lot of that stuff occurs on that spiral line. So it's important it. to include chops and lifts and, and spiral movements in your training. Awesome. Awesome. So then you go from rip to then your next invention, which I believe was the glute machine. Yeah. The glute drive, the Nautilus glute drive. drive. And And, and I don't think a lot of people know that, you know, obviously there's, 
bigger, there's, I don't want to say bigger, there's names out there that get credit for boot, booty training and, and butt machines and different things like that. But you, you really was, that was the first glute machine to get, you know, plate loaded. Was it, is it plate loaded? The, the it's, correct. It's, it is. Yeah. It is the first plate loaded glute machine that was on the market. And again, this came out of necessity. I've been doing glute bridges since physical therapy school. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a gold standard exercise. If you don't know what a glute bridge is, you should, if you land your back, your knees are bent and you just lift your pelvis up off the ground, you fire the posterior chain, you know, you're getting your glutes, your hamstrings, and whether you've had a knee injury or a low back injury, or you're working on core strength or your movement prep, these are fundamental movements. Well, a hip thrust is where you put your back and you elevate your back and you do the same move, hips up and down. But by elevating your back, you now have greater range of motion to go into hip flexion and subsequent hip, hip extension. Yep. Additionally, so I'll give credit also credit is Brett Contreras in 2006 yep. really started to experiment and play with this hip thrust and not just elevating your back, but putting loading a bar up where you'd have yep. a bar with the Eric's foam pad and you put yep. weights on it and you'd really, you know, it's progressive overload. Of course, at some point you get strong enough, you, you got to add weight. Yep. Um, but it is a pain in the rear to set that up. I For mean, sure. you need a bank. You need a bar, you need weights, you need an Eric's foam pad. Yeah. You know, it disrupts the entire training environment on the floor. And I know it drives trainers love this. But <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> and guys at lifetime are like, are you kidding? It's funny, man. I, I have to tell this story. I was when I was at the Laguna Niguel Club in California, my office was right next to at a big window, right next to the Smith machine. And I'm telling you, people these people would come over with four different camera angles and they would do hip bridges and they would do reverse, you know, donkey kicks and like all of it. And I'm like, I can't be the creep guy. That's like looking at that, but can you, can you not do that? Right. <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, so funny, it's, man. And, and like glute training, it's funny. I don't know why it's taken so long. It's caught on, I think primarily for aesthetic purposes, mm-hmm. but the glutes are the powerhouse of your core. I mean, if yeah. you, if you look at, an athlete, a baseball athlete that hits the long ball or Serena Williams or, you know, a running back in the NFL. Any of the sprinters. Sprinters. They have unbelievable drive from their glutes. And so this is just targeted. So, but this was again, out of necessity, I'm training a client. I'm having him do hip thrusts. And he said, my shoulders hurt, you know, on the the bench. Cause it's, you know, you're kind of teetering on this bench. And of course my third, first thought, Thought was like, what a pussy. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Um, I, but my first thought was like, you wimp. And then I thought, all right, let me, you know, I want him to do this exercise. He's a little older. Let me take it easy on this guy. So I got an Eric's foam pad and I put it behind his scapula. And so now he, he kind of had this pad on his scapula as he went through the hip thrust motion. And I was coaching him from the side. And from the side angle, I saw the pad articulate with his back. It looked like a fulcrum. Yeah. And I'm like, why isn't there a machine that has a bench that articulates and fulcrums? And then you could load weights on it. You could do this on a machine, yeah. a plate loaded machine. And I went to the lab, man. And I'm telling you, it was not easy. If you use the machine, it seems like such an easy, like safety catch mechanism, yeah. no problem. It was really hard to solve and fix and get all the angles down. And But I, I figured it out and I brought it to uh, Michael Bruno and Jeff Diltz of core health and fitness. And they run star Trek and Schwinn and Nautilus. And, uh, and they're, you know, top leading distributors in the world for this stuff. 
Um, and, sh- and also I asked Mike Feeney, um, Mike Feeney's, if you don't the know. Purchasing him, from 24. Yeah. It per- was, now he's, in, now he's with new EV. What is it? New Evolution. He, yeah. NV, yeah. Yep. He's kind of, um, uh, he's kind of the right hand man for the, for NEV and, and, uh, that whole out, outfit, but he's, he's a brilliant mind in the space and he knows equipment. Like he really understands equipment, not just cool new stuff, but like, Hey, that's not going to work because of these reasons. Cause he's had 40 years in the industry and I brought it to him. And when I got his not of approval, I'm like, Ooh, I'm onto something. And so I ended up licensing it to Nautilus and I'm telling you, it is, it's been unbelievable. We have glute drives in Istanbul, Turkey yeah. and, and Auckland, New Zealand and Iceland, Ireland, and like yeah. everywhere in the world, you could Equinox, every one of them has a glute drive. I'm yeah, hoping you too. guys have some. We do. Oh yeah, we have, we have them. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And almost every, I know all the new ones for sure, but you know, most of the clubs, even the ones in Arizona here that I frequent, um, they're here, uh, even in the older clubs. So for sure. You know, and it's, it's one of those things I want to add in is, you know, you had said it about 20 years ago in the, in the boom of physio balls and BOSUs, it was, you put core on anything and people would run, or I, I chose golf too. in, you know, golf, you put golf on and, you know, they have money and usually are crazy about the sport. And now it's, it is, it's the glute, man. It's the glutes in general. And you put that on anything and you, you have something to spice it up with and, and you're going to be, you're going to find your clients. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, there's, there's kind of solving a problem and there's also t- timing the market. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if there's a formula for that. I think being in the industry for 30 years, like, you know, you, like what you just said, you understand it was core, maybe now it's glutes. Who's what knows what's going to be next, you know, you know digital integration or, yeah. or, or, you know, you know, tech type stuff or some specific movement that, um, uh, you know, helps with low back pain. I, I don't know what the next trend is, but right now it's glutes. And so believe it or not, not my next product, but the next, next product is a glute training machine. And I just traveled to Pittsburgh and I'm working on a, a consumer unit because, yeah. you know, we got to show some love to the consumers out exactly. there too. You know, yeah. you want to, you want to go to the gym and you want to get dirty and lift heavy, but sometimes on a Sunday morning, you want to just chill out and get a little workout in the basement. Right. Yep. So. All right, Pete. So wait, so what you just said though, is that you've got a new consumer glute product that is going to be coming out into the future. Here? Let's hope fingers crossed. Okay. I was Beautiful. Pittsburgh working on this and, uh, with a product development team and, and it's a consumer unit. Um, so it'll be a lower price point and, you know, the consumer market is really hot right now. And so I'm trying to, again, not time it, but to the best of my ability, have a little bit of a vision for uh, going into the consumer space. So yeah, keep your eyes out for a glute, for sure. uh, another glute training product here in the near future. Fantastic for sure. Well, and so, you know, and I've been, you know, lucky enough to see, see it in a, in more of a, you know, picture profile, but you have a new product that's coming out, um, as well. And and can you speak to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Because by the time this airs, I think we, we will have officially launched the escape barrel. Um, and so this is (laughs) when I grew, was growing up and I grew up in a small ranch in Littleton, Colorado, and my mom had a cut like a horse, and uh, she boarded like a couple horses to help supplement rent. 
Um, and it was a really dump, kind of a beautiful land, but a dumpy place. It was constantly, I was wheelbarrowing, you know, road base and, and railroad ties and cement and working on post holes and dirt, moving dirt around. And I used a wheelbarrow four or five times a week. And I, to this day, I think that was where I got my grip strength and my core strength and, and my balance and just mm-hmm. like felt foundationally strong was from those wheelbarrow, those loaded carries. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why this took me so long, but I was laying in bed a year ago and I, I you know, I was, I'd been doing farmer's carries with kettlebells yep. and I noticed on the last set, I was really fatigued. I had, I was going heavy. I was, you know, kind of showing off or whatever. And I was going heavy and I went to set them down and I kind of tweaked my back a little bit because it was, it was low to the ground yeah. and I kind of, there was no place to set them. And I thought, man, I wish there was like a better way to do this loaded carry and I thought back to my wheelbarrow days like well why don't you just use a wheelbarrow so it's not that it's not that exciting a product but it's a loaded carry machine that is a wheelbarrow but man it looks pretty sexy yeah it does it looks awesome it really does and and so you can load it you don't have to get down on the ground you can load it easily you can unload it and there's a bunch of different moves you can do and it's kind of a cool you know, the second you see it and you see somebody walking across the turf space with weights loaded you instantly know, oh, that's like a loaded, mm-hmm. ca- that's hard. That's like carrying suitcases through yeah. through the airport that are your wife's suitcases, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Princess Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, um, and, and, and you keep saying too, I had to say, you keep saying, you know, I'm laying in bed and you've had these epiphanies when you're laying in bed. And I keep thinking of the, the Queen's Gamut. I don't know if you've ever seen that show yet where she's staring at the moves ahead again. <laughs> What, and that's what, a, I picture you. what a tremendous uh, miniseries that was. Yeah, it was. Especially, um, I've got a daughter who's 14 and it was, a, you know, it was a little mature for her, yeah. but I thought, let me, let me watch it with her and kind yeah. of talk her through it. Um, but yeah, you, I, I, I'm working with a mechanical engineer in Pittsburgh and his, his sweet face is the shower. He says he'll be taking a shower and all of a sudden he's got to stop the water and run out and jot down his notepad because he's got some brilliant idea. Mine's in bed. I just, like I calm my body down and finally my mind can kind of catch up yeah. to what's going on. Um, and, th- but this product is, I'm really excited about it. It's, you'd think a wheelbarrow, how hard is it to make and design a wheelbarrow? Easy, right? We, yeah. it's been six prototypes to make wow. a freaking wheelbarrow. And, but we did it and escape has been tremendous to work with. If you don't know escape, they're a smaller yeah. company out of the UK. They now are North American division. But they have some, they, they have really premium products. Uh, they have a tire that you can flip that's got yep. handles on it. Yeah, we've got some of their products too. And that was a, a podcast I was on recently with Matthew as well. Oh, so you he's talked also, to Matthew. Yeah, yeah and for sure. He's got, and just really good salt to the earth. You know, like they yep. really want to have a fundamental impact on the health and wellness and vitality of of other human beings around the world. And, and I'm on board with that. So we launched that next week here mm-hmm. in California. And I'm pretty confident Lifetime is going to get a couple of the prototype and, and beta yep. tests. And so awesome. hopefully you'll see those, you know, popping up. Yeah, and I'll put, here. I'll put some links in the, in the show notes as well as uh, a couple of pictures, if you want to send them to me and I could put them in the show notes uh, as well. So people can get a look at that. Well, you know, it, it's awesome to hear this. And, and again, folks out there, this is just another way to make it in this amazing industry that we are. I mean, it's a, it's a different route, obviously uh, going down the invention route, uh, but it's been something that, you know, has been fruitful and, you know, 
painful and fruitful <laughs> um, along the way. And so, you know, I'd love to to kind of, well, one, is there anything else that you got brewing? <laughs> um, I, to, to be honest, I've got like two or three. I can't keep my brain right now. I can't do it. I need like a, a whole team or something and I need uh, to be independently wealthy, but um, <laughs> I've got, I've got a couple of products that are a little bit more in the kind of the rehab space got it. Um, and recovery space. Beautiful. So, but you know, I got to do one yeah, thing first for sure. and move got on it. to the next. Got it. So, you know, I guess now kind of just switching course, obviously you've had an, an amazing career in you know, all these different areas within the health and fitness space and wellness space. Um, but what can you, can you give the audience with regards to, you know, things that you've learned that you've just kind of hold, holded true, which you attribute your success to so that somebody in, you know, that's maybe up and coming or somebody maybe who's been at it for a while, not quite where they are or where they want to be and, and help move them forward. You know, I, that's a loaded question. I, I think the, the best thing for me has been to develop and, and have a process. And this might, you know, might not be the answer you want to hear out there, but some kind of process And this, but to be honest, it came from athletics, from martial arts. When I started the, from the first class, I was a white belt. I mean, I laced that thing on and I was the, you know, you line up by rank and order and there's like 20 people ahead of me. Um, and, and, you know, like young girls were kicking me in the head. It was, it was so embarrassing. Um, but I, the, the coach kind of told me, Hey, this is what you need to do. You need to work on your mobility, your flexibility. Cause you, you, you know, you gotta be able to kick fast. And if you're not loose and, and stretched out, um, you're going to be slow and you got to work on your precision. You got to work on your balance. He just kind of told me what to do. And I'm telling you, I had like a journal. I said, stretch today, 20, you know, I forced myself to stretch for 20 minutes a day which back then was I stretched zero at never, ever, not even to warm up. You know, it was like the Chevy chase warm up. you know, okay, (laughs) this is crazy. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And and so, uh, so the point is I developed a process and I do the same when I write, I've got a lecture coming up for idea fit in March. I'm going to be at a a virtual training seminar, which I'd love for you, your audience to come check it out. It's it's called maximize your maximus. It's on glute training, anatomy, kinesiology, functional movement, uh, and programming concepts for glutes. But the process is kind of always the same. You know, I, it's like the, you got to answer the what and the why and the how what it is you're talking about, why it's so darn important, and then how you're going to accomplish and, and create functional outcomes for your clients when it comes to training. And for product, it's, you know, it's another process, but I follow this process and I make an outline. I don't want to make an outline. I just want to make a fancy, sexy deck with cool pictures, right? That's what I want to start with. But that's not where you start. You start with the nuts and the bolts and you craft an outline and you, what is glute training? What are the glutes? Let's look at the anatomy. Let's look at the, you know, kinesiology and the biomechanics of the glutes. Why is this important? And then you start to layer in all the other stuff. And after three hours of creating an outline, then you can start to fill in the gaps and start to create, you know, a slide presentation and you can make the movies, which is sexy and fun and exciting. And so everything I do, I have a process and product design and development is, is no different. I'm sure opening up a new lifetime, there is a manual. Yep. Imagine it's massively thick at this point for the GMs 
and the ADs and everybody. Well, there's that- education. Yeah, there's there's education like they have to go through to to get there. And and you know, I, I've again, I've said this, and it's so powerful. And and I'm so glad that you 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 said it. Is sometimes it's it's the fundamentals. It's the fundamentals of the what, why, and how, and and it's what, why, and how all together. You know, there's we won't get into that, but but anyway, having a reproducible process is what allows people to be successful. And I think so many trainers, and, and I've seen it a lot with trainers where they're not paying attention to the little things that are creating their success, and so then they have a hard time reproducing it. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you know, having that process. And it's funny, I didn't think about it, but when I have a session with the client, I've got a certain process too. And what's funny is you still have to be a little nimble, right? Because in your mind, you might go, oh, I really want to do this with this client today. I've got it lined up. I mean, I'm a programming genius. And they come in, they say, I tweaked my back and my left ankle kind of hurts. And I'm really tired. I didn't only slept four hours last night. And you're kind of like, wait, I wanted to do like a finish with a hit, hit training circuit. And I wanted to do heavy forward drills. <laughs> and, and you have to flip the script. But if you have a process of how you warm somebody up, how you assess their movement, how, how you activate muscle groups, how you get their central nervous system going with some kind of reactive drill or whatever it is your process, whatever it is you're doing and your goals are, yeah. and you follow that, you get really good. And if you watch the prominent strength coaches out there, that are that have programs that offer digital education or content. You know the Mike Boyles, um, Lauren Landau, who's the strength coach from the Denver mm-hmm. Broncos. Yep. Um, you know the, any any great cook and the FMS Lee Burton, those guys. They have a system. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you can get into a pissing match. Which system's better than mm-hmm. that system? Okay. My system's the best, and blah blah blah. And I'm not really into that, but. You, you do need to have some kind of a system. And until you have a system, it's hard to reproduce or even articulate what it is you're doing with clients and why they're getting success. Yep. So, yeah. you know, so that's, that's my, my process is everything process is key. And yeah. what you said about fundamentals, you know, the, what, what was it? Vince Lombardi was, was he the guy he had like three or four plays? In the yeah. Entire well, and, and John Wooden teaching, college players, how to put their socks and and how to tie their shoes. I mean, it's, it's those things that we, and and the fundamentals aren't sexy. And, and, you know, that's, that's part of the problem is that we don't get really good. And, you know, I talk about the five fundamentals of fitness, all, all, or what I believe the five fundamentals are to being a successful health and and fitness professional. Um, And they're, they're basic. They're, they're nothing that is rocket science. It's making sure you know your why and having a why, making sure you understand your business and understanding organizational skills. And then, you know, obviously there's retaining and and, and retaining and, and acquiring clients. And then the thing that I know that you're passionate about and is a great lead in is continuing education. And, you know, how important has that been in, in your success of finding out not only the continuing education that you love, that you're you're drawn towards, but the stuff that maybe you weren't that you had to go and figure out. Well, you know, training is a, is a dangerous game, right? Because what happens is we get a little cocky, don't we? <laughs> and, and I'm talking about myself. Yeah. I get a little cocky. I'm like, Hey man, I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. You know, what are you going to tell me? I take some stick mobility, you know, yeah. session or like, what, what are you going to show me? And I come out of there, my head spinning, like, yeah. Oh, this is pretty cool stuff. And it just, you need, we, we, 
you know, you should have a thirst for education and, you know, knowledge is power, right? So the more, you know, the, the more you can assess and articulate what it is that works best for you and your clients, and then employ those, you know, action steps and get the functional outcomes you want. And all of a sudden you're the best trainer on the floor. When you're the best trainer on the floor or one of the top two or three, now you got some clout. Now I'm not saying be cocky, but now you can, you can start to demand a little more money for your sessions. Now you can, maybe you host some in-services and teach other people what you know, sharing your knowledge and sharing your power and spreading the wealth and also learning how to present in front of other people. Then who knows, maybe you're developing your own system or your own sort of online educational content. Um, Or maybe you're just making a name for yourself in a specific niche or space, rehab medicine, youth sports performance, uh, back pain, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you've got clout and that's how you progress in the industry. Additionally, that's how you get better at helping your clients achieve proper health, wellness, and vitality. The trainers, I mean, I, you see them. I mean, it's hard. You go around, I go, I I travel to New York, I'm in LA, I'm in hotbeds of where these should be the top trainers in the world. And you see what people are doing and you're just like, Oh no. And they're stuck in the seventies, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, now, granted, they, I'm not saying they're not passionate about what they're doing or they, they, maybe they've got good retention because their clients love them. And that's great because their clients are off the couch and they're in yep. the gym and they're exercising. Yep. But, man, when you start to understand rehab medicine, there's a, a cost to everything and a price that you pay for everything you're doing. So you got to make sure that scale is balanced, that risk to reward scale. And if you've been doing, you know, I don't know, upper body overhead pressing and you know, for years and you've been neglecting the rotator cuff or the scapulothoracic muscles or the core, it's going to come back to bite you. Yep. Well, and, it, and it's, I always say through, you know, the almost 30 years I've been around with it is the more, the well, first, the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know and be okay with that. <laughs> and, and and then the second thing is, is what was right today is wrong tomorrow. And what's wrong tomorrow is right today. And it bounces all over the place. And, you know, and then the, the industry and the media go to the extremes of both of those. So there's nothing that's in between in the middle and how both of them can be used. It's, it's either it's good or it's bad. Right. And that's one thing, you know, that does bother me about the industry is that a couple of things. We tend to be extremists, right? And maybe that's our nature. We, you know, like the competitive athlete, I'm going to take it to the top. Yep. We're extreme. And we also sometimes are polarized. It's not dissimilar to um, modern day politics, which yep. is not healthy. It's not good how we're interacting and, and, you know, working alongside our fellow human being. These are exactly. human beings that exactly. we need to interact with and work with. We're all in this together. You guys, we, Somebody might have a different system. So, you know, everybody's got their systems and their thoughts and their processes. And one isn't better or worse than the other. But to say my system is the one or that system's terrible, you know, you that's why you go to educational courses. And I go, I have an, an, a mindset of I'm going to take three things away from this course. I don't know what they're going to be, but three, three nuggets, three, three buckets. And I'm going to d- double down on those. And every time I go to a course, I learn three things that fundamentally change my practice. I don't adopt everything. I don't agree with all the stuff they're saying. I've got my own experiences yeah. and I've got my own, you know, my clients are older. I, I've got, you know, my, my youngest client right now uh, might be 60 years old, yeah. you know, 
a lot of people are working with 45 year olds or 30 year olds. Well, that's a different demographic. So you got to take what you can use and, and, but that's how you get better. And I don't care if I go to a session, that's a terrible session with a terrible instructor. And I'm like, Oh no, what did I just do? I signed up. I got eight hours of this. And then I kind of reset my mind, take a deep breath and say, I'm going to take away three things. I guarantee I'll learn them. And I do every single time. Yep. And after 20 different sessions, you've got a nice arsenal in, yep. in your, in your toolbox. Yeah. And it, it's, there's so much there and, you know, your ability to do a system, I would argue, it doesn't matter what the system is. If you do the system and it's got science, obviously it's got to have some backing to it. It's going to work. And that's what I hate about, you know, people bashing some of what would people would consider a fundamental certification. Well, that system works if you stick with it. If you start confusing yourself and start adding in things and you don't know how to add those things in, and then you blame the system to not work, then it's not the system any, <laughs> anymore. Um, so, you know, making sure that you have your process and your system and, and it makes sense and that you're throwing it at people that are out there that have higher levels of education to make sure that that makes sense. That's all part of this thing of, you know, growing as a, as a trainer or as a health and fitness professional. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we want to be good at everything, but you do need to kind of have a sweet spot. Like yep. what is your thing, you know, and everybody's passionate. You know, I've been to, you know, again, back to the cocky thing. I go to a gym. I think I'm some hot shot trainer or whatever, the physical therapist. And all of a sudden some girl starts talking about equestrian um, positioning and equine training. And I'm like, I don't know anything about equestrian <laughs> training and equine. And she, I'm like, that's your thing. You're like a horse train, you know? So she, and she uses some of those positions and postures on a horse that help to activate the pelvic girdle and the pelvic floor and women love that mm -hmm. stuff. So that was her thing. And I thought, how smart is that? So, you know, as you're growing and evolving and getting older in this profession, try to hone in on something and double down on it. And, you know, if there's a bunch of you know, hit training guys or sports performance experts. Maybe you're a rehab specialist. Maybe you're a corrective exercise specialist. Maybe you can fix those people when they, when they've been too many <laughs> burnt out or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So find whatever it is you're passionate about and then double down on it. And that's a great way to separate yourself and give your, you know, give you a little notch on the, on that's the little Awesome. Well, man, there's been so many nuggets, uh, you know, today in this, in this episode, I can't thank you enough. I think we could keep going for hours, but you know, I want to be respectful of everybody's time here. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, again, please listen to the things that were talked about today, because, you know, if you're out there, you know, struggling or new to the industry, there's a whole lot that we discussed here today that makes and, and can really speed your ability to be successful at a faster rate. But anything else that you have, Pete, that you want to leave the audience with? You know, my one of my mentors growing up, he said something that rings true and resonates every time I think of him or every time I, you know, disengage a client or end a podcast. And he, he would finish a workout with keep the dream alive. That's what I say. Keep the dream alive, Holman. Yeah. Keep the dream alive. And I love that. It's like, I don't know what your dream is out there. Whatever it is, keep it alive. That's it, man. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us and, and all you listeners out there, make sure that you follow us. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel or follow us on the podcast uh, website, whichever one you use. Uh, so you get updates when these uh, launch each day or each week. So thanks again, Pete, and uh, look forward to getting my hands on some of that equipment soon and, and seeing you in person, man. Thanks again, man. Got it.